you are. I don't know what I'm doing. About any of it. Yes, you do. You're onto something. Kessel. This guy's the best assistant. Targeting Wait, Kessel? Kessel? Jakku? Jakku! Right. That barren wasteland junkyard planet? You don't believe that. Unkar Plutt confirmed? Yes, come on. Simon Pegg returned. This is how I do it. I'd spread it out. Is it bad that I want her to um, solve the mystery? No. <laughs> I, I, want, the, especially I want her their, to connect the dots. The introduction of their relationship <laughs> is like, oh my God, this is like kind of like The Office meets Star Wars. Like they're just like two people trying to do good at their job. She's popping pills, which I always respect. Yeah, I know. It's like a late night study session. Yeah. Like it's not an addiction if it helps yeah. me get an A. I got it's like Lisa Adderall. Simpson and Millhouse. Yes. <laughs> Oh, sure, I can help you. What are, what are big sisters for? <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstar, Star Wars and or episode five proves how everyone has their own rebellion, even Indiana Jones, it turns out, because the series keeps shoving in Easter eggs that should belong in a museum. But could Harrison Ford's other in-universe character connect to this rebel conspiracy? Ooh. Who else actually wants to see the ISB connect the dots? Is that a bad thing? You'll get your answers when you fix this and door. <laughs> This is Boogie Leaks. It's it. our weekly and or after show. I'm Eric Voss. My Easter egg breakdown of this episode is going to come tomorrow. But right now, I am here discussing this episode with Tommy Bechtold. Oh, man. I never thought a planning episode could be so enjoyable. An episode that was all about training and planning. It was like one 36-minute montage of training. But the relationships in that little rebel band are so fascinating. And I just like, I'm always, you know me, I like to look for the worst in people. So I'm always seeking out who's hiding something in that group. Who's the treacherous one? Who's a little too quiet? Who's a little too bombastic? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like we don't have all the information on all of those characters. And now I thought what I thought was coming this week will be coming next week. And I just get me to next Tuesday already. See you next Tuesday ah, at midnight <laughs> at midnight. I, it's not just in that rebel band. I mean, this is, I think, this is what good television is, right? Yeah. You don't need major plot shifts to happen yes. every episode. You could just have a whole episode where you're living with characters. And what makes a good television is good writing and good character development. Yes. And that's what this episode did. Because every character who we talk to, who talks to us, it reveals something fascinating about them and about their outlook. Yes. And uh, I mean, let's just go through it beat by beat because this episode begins with Cyril Karn enduring the nagging of his mother Edie over a bowl of blue milk soaked in a cereal that I assume is oops all shame upon this household. It looked household. really delicious, uh, did it not? I was kind of like, I want it that. It looked great. It looked like a mix of booberry and Cocoa Puffs. The idiot in me uh, wanted him to be looking at that puff and look at the sphere of it and be like, wait a minute. The Death Star. Yeah. I could join the Death Star operation. <laughs> no, we don't need that. Tony Gilroy won't give that to us. He will He will not. He'll <laughs> give us one TIE fighter, an episode, yep. and that's all the old Star Wars we get. That's it. That's it. And what a that was yeah. what like i've never seen a a, a a tie fighter so terrifying yeah in context just from the point of view of a couple shepherds in a valley we'll get to that in a second uh, but Edie has what i think is my favorite line of um <laughs> his comedy of manners 
yeah. the scene with his mother yes. is uh, any civilized being knows that an open invitation is no invitation at yes. all. <laughs> what a line. Yes. How many open invitations have I had yeah. or been given or specifically given my parents? And then that's how they view it. It's like, you're not actually inviting me. I was going to say, I, I, I'll be honest. I immediately started doing inventory of the people that had given me open invitations <laughs> yes. and started going like, oh, yeah. Pretty much to a point, it's been like, <laughs> when you accept this, it will inconvenience me. So come by anytime. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I thought like, oh, man, I have uh, had open invitations to uh, given to this person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's okay. how they view it. That's what I do with New Rockstar Studios. I'm like, yeah, come on by the studio anytime. You're always welcome here. And then I pull a knife out and I lick the blade. Uh, all right. <laughs> We we referenced um, uh, Lisa Simpson earlier, yeah. and in one of the later seasons of The Simpsons, she makes fun of um, uh, McGill University in Montreal, where Marge goes, "Oh, you could get into McGill. That's the Harvard of Canada." And Lisa goes, "Anything that's the something of something isn't really the anything of anything." Yeah, that's, that's a great quote. It's it's savage, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. So Edie's going to call Uncle Harlow yes. to, to get some prospects for her son. Cyril can't help but glare at Cassian's mugshot yeah. throughout all this. I, I'm so fascinated to see what happens from yeah. this. But anyway, we jump to Aldani, and Cassian wakes up to find cousin Skeen going yes. through all of his stuff. But Skeen hasn't yet found that kyber crystal. Uh, Skeen's got some prison tattoos. Yeah. And we learned that he and Cassian Bonover, having uh, gone through the similar, I guess, Star Wars equivalent of Juvie, because it was like a youth center that they went through. Yeah. Um, and he calls it like a crate head. So it's like, is that like a dragon head? Is that like a specific white supremacist yeah. gang in the but, world of Star oh, Wars? Oh, yeah. A crate no. head and then he has the, the claw. But I'm wondering, is Andor, is, is Cassian lying though? Because wasn't he taken in by Marva? Or do you think this was pre -that? He was, he was, but like they were criminals and I think, and his ah, dad got hung in the corner. And I think they went on some past job and that's why they had his mug shot. Yeah. I think he had a whole a criminal profile saying he was from Fest and all this stuff. Yes, yes. So I think yes. that's where that came well from. Well done, Eric. Well done. Points to Eric. I was I was wondering that too. I was, yes. <laughs> 10 points to Eric Dorr. <laughs> um, but Skeen says this great, another great line. The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Now yeah. is our turn to do the chopping. Yes. And we find out there's a deeper context to that later when his brother was a pepper tree farmer. Yes. And then he lost his farm and drowned himself. And I love that the episode is not called The Tree Remembers. Yeah. The episode is called The Axe Forgets, mm -hmm. which I just think is fascinating that they chose to use that part of the sentence because it's not about the victims of all this stuff, which is what you would think that this episode is all about, the people mm -hmm. who are victims. It's about the people who do the hurting, uh, that forget about it. And I think that ties in with uh, what Nimic later says about like the Imperials just are so smug that they think mm -hmm. they can just continually oppress us and press us in little ways. And just by flooding us with oppression, that it desensitizes us to each individual crime. Uh, but again, I'm jumping ahead because one thing I want to point out is how big of a breakfast episode this was. Yeah, we, we everybody had breakfast, and mm -hmm. I love that's how we start the day. Um, Tony Gilroy and his brother believe that that is the most important meal of the day, and they're not they're wrong. Like we got to make sure everybody knows that even in Star Wars, breakfast is necessary. Are we going to cut to the Albuquerque section, the Albuquerque <laughs> storyline where Walt Jr. is eating breakfast? Because yeah. I feel like that's where it's all headed. <laughs> he makes the bacon into the shape of uh, his dad's birthday. Yes. <laughs> um, well, we meet the daughter of Mon Mothma in Perrin, 
The teenage Leda, who hates her mom and says that Mon Mothma only wants to take her to school to show off. And you know what? Even though I just love that teenagers are so perceptive in this way, mm -hmm. uh, because whereas a lot of people just be like, oh, Mon Mothma, devoted mother, just going through the routine, dropping off her daughter at school. Um, the daughter's probably onto something there mm -hmm. because Mon Mothma is probably using that chore, that part of the routine, as part of her routine to make some visits, to connect with some people. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that the daughter is now throwing off this routine freaks out Mon Mothma, not because she loses out on this opportunity to hang out with the daughter. It's probably because she's like, shit, I was going to talk to someone uh, at after school care and then try to figure out a new contact in my, in my rebel network. And mm -hmm. you just screwed that up. And the daughter's like, no, I understand that you're just doing this for, for the show. Mm. And I, I just I just love that yeah. argument there. Yeah, absolutely. But correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we're learning that Mon Mothma had this shitty husband. I don't know if we knew before this that Mon Mothma had a teenage daughter. And it makes us a little worried about what's going to happen to this family when Mon Mothma goes public in her mm -hmm. rebellion. Should we care? I mean, the family kind of sucks. But still, it's like another side to her life we didn't know about. Yeah, I feel like Perrin, we're all kind of rooting for Perrin to get a blaster to the to the guts. But, uh, you know, uh -huh. a teenager is redeemable. <laughs> maybe she'll join her mother in the cause. Maybe. Maybe. Or, yeah, or maybe she'll, like, defect. And then the mother's like, Ugh, all right, well, okay. Blow them all up, I guess. <laughs> um, I think my favorite scene this episode, this morning cup of Dre milk mm -hmm. that is some kind of hallucinogen, or we don't know, it kills some brain cells. Yeah. Um, Nemec shows Cassie in this old school star path unit. Mm -hmm. I love that we get two different star path units, right? We got the Imperial star path unit. that seems like a big deal, but now we have this old school one and he goes into this political rant from his literal manifesto mm -hmm. about the Imperial culture so rapidly supplanted everyone's thoughts that no one has time to even catch up. I mean, this is some real truth. Let's get this guy in front of a crowd. I mean, I've had some breakfast with the these guys before uh you know guys who think that like the certain political figures in the 2016 cycle were were the first people to ever say certain things mm -hmm. but actually we're just kind of recycling some mm -hmm. some talking points that have been around forever yep. you don't know who i'm talking about viewer i could, could be, be talking about a few anyone. different people could be anyone let's just say that namek is feeling the burn and i love this guy mm -hmm. I, I mean it's, we must protect this guy at all costs mm -hmm. i think because he's he's speaking a form of truth that no one in star wars has mm -hmm. until this point and he gets it you know what i love about him is uh, comparing him to hamilton He's, he gets the way I do when I'm really on a tear where he has to like, he's like, someone's going to cut me off at some point. So I'm going to feel as many, many, many talking points in this until someone comes in and interrupts me. Because uh, I don't know how many other times I'm going to have to go into this rant. <laughs> talk, 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 talk. <laughs> yes, I loved it. It was a great scene. The way he talks. Yeah. It's just a little, it's just a little dance. He's like uh, a mouse um, walking on a piano, trying not to wake up the sleeping he's, human. He's just a cute little mouse <laughs> prancing on a piano. It's <laughs> just tap dancing like Tom, Tom, I was at Tom Cruise in Big. But no, Tom Cruise is not in Big. Oh, Tom uh, Hanks was in Big, but I wish Tom Cruise had also been in Big. Um, so Cassian realizes Vel and Terman don't know how to calibrate the weight of their escape vessel. Gives him major doubts about their mission, but also proves how essential he is to the team. And I love how more and more throughout this episode, he knows these little details that they're actually like, shit, we needed this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, because he knows uh, he's been so observant, knowing who's right-handed, who's left-handed. He um actually is Terraman about how imps walk in mm -hmm. formation with their guns on the outside. Then this TIE fighter buzzes overhead. They have to hide their guns. It, again, this is like the scariest, I think, of TIE fighters. Yeah. Been. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though the... The sheep, or if those are nerfs, I'm not exactly sure what those things yeah. are. I don't think they batted an eye at it. No. Like, uh, They're like, this well, happens. Right. 
I like those little things, but I didn't get a, I couldn't get a good enough view to see if they had weird faces or anything. I just saw their big sheep bodies and I wanted to make a sweater. <laughs> they got uh, those big bodies. They got like way too many horns. Mm. Like there's no evolutionary advantage to have many that yeah. many horns pointing yeah. in different directions. But I mean, if we're going to judge every Star Wars creature in, in that regard, would yeah. so many of them be bipedal? No, no, they wouldn't. There's no reason, no evolutionary advantage for Mon Calamari to have two feet. That's true. But it's okay. Good point. Um, so we learned about Lieutenant Gorn a lot this episode, more than I thought we would. But I guess yeah. we have 12 episodes. Why not explore everyone? I mean, feel like we know now where everyone is coming from. And I really love that. Mm. Uh, he ranks really high at this Imperial Garrison on Aldani. Uh, but he poses as this disciplinarian. He tells subordinates to clean up the temple to take down the targets used for target practice, which also feels secretly personal for him. Mm -hmm. Like, stop shooting at this sacred thing. Yeah. That was my ex-girlfriend's favorite spot to hook up. Right. Uh, but he... <laughs> He hides this wistfulness for the land and its people. He makes the guards feel really lucky to be able to see the eye, which I just thought was such a clever thing, mm -hmm. you know? Like, oh, you're going to have to miss the eye show to repaint this skin. Like, oh, no, no, please, please let us see the eye. And he's like, all right, good. Yeah, I don't want anyone in here. I wonder if that might blow back up in his face. So I wonder if mm. one of them's like, you're right. I should have repainted it. There'll yeah. be another one in three years. So I'll catch it that time. He's just down there painting. No. He's like, yes. He's like, sorry. He's a, it's a, he's a beautiful painter. And then he just blasts. He has to. Um, I just love this little detail that he fell in love with a local woman, but he lost her. It made me wonder for a second, like, is she telling the truth? Is this just something she tells mm. and or to be like, all right, everyone's got a good story, including you. Shut up. Uh, but no, I, I like to think it's true based on just off of that look of wistfulness he had out on yeah. the land. He's like, yeah, it is beautiful, isn't it? And he was afraid to be racist, you know, and the other guy's like, yeah, they stink too, right? And he's like, mine didn't stink. Yeah. All I smell is the smell of her hair. Mine smells. Uh, everything reminds me of her. <laughs> uh, we check in briefly on Ferex where Blevin sets up the ambitious Captain Tigo as prefect mm -hmm. and gives him the hotel to set up his HQ. Now I have to wonder if that old man, Willie, who was like just the, the chatty tourist, mm -hmm. the chatty businessman oh, on, the, yeah. on the shuttle would be like, but I got my favorite suite. Yeah. I don't want to give up my room. <laughs> I paid for the week. They charge you an arm and a leg for everything around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Back at the ISB, Dedra Mira and her aide continue their investigation, trying to connect the Imperial Star Path unit from Steerguard, but with other seemingly unrelated thefts from Kessel, Fondor, Jakku, and Base K. We'll talk about those more in a second. The rebels break down their camp, hike to the dam. Skeen grabs a kyber crystal and says Cassian has, tr has been lying to them. Cassian, I love this twist, comes clean and says that, yeah, I was paid to be here. What are you going to do about it? You guys suck. You need me. Yeah. And, uh, and I just love that they're all like, yeah, well, maybe you're the scared one. And he goes, uh, yeah, okay, it's good to be scared, but you're all losing your nerve, you bunch of idiots. Mm -hmm. I just love this detail that... The for the day before is always hardest. If it, if it wasn't me freaking you out, it would have been something else. And you're right. just using me as an excuse to try to get out of this mission. Right. I I really like that. Uh, turning the tables. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um. And then later, Skeen gives the closest thing to an apology he can, just telling him what happened to his brother. That was a very. That tree. was straight out of the bear. That's as much of an apology as you're gonna get. I was like, yeah, their cousin right, Rich right. is back. Well, you know, cousin's probably also on a phone call talking about his daughter who's going through a hard time at her school. That's and right. Think that she's a teenager, and they're like, "How old is she?" And she's, he's like, "She's five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. How is this already happening? Um, but um, yeah, a pepper tree. I, I wanted. Mm. How good was this pepper from the pepper tree for mm. this farm? This poor farmer to be like, shit. I can do nothing else now. Must have been pretty damn good peppers. Well, that's kind of like a, there is like a hallmark of like if you use the empire as like a parallel for like global 
malevolent armed forces. Like, that's such a common theme in war is, like, someone on the bad side gets a taste for some local fare and they destroy a family and their legacy so that they can enjoy, like, you know, the pepper tree, the apple tree, whatever. Like, you know, sub in, you know, like, you know, the 1940s mm. for, for this time. And it's like, yeah, people who have the upper hand or the power just impose their will and destroy people's lives because of a little element that makes them slightly happier. Oh, I like the pepper right. from this tree. I'm going to destroy this guy's life. Absolutely. Uh, and Vel and Senta break off from the group on some side part of the mission that twice Cassian asked about, and they did not tell him, which I think is interesting. Mm. Uh, and we'll, we end the episode back in Luthen's shop where he worries about the mission uh, that's happening the next day. And uh, he reveals that if... Also, can I just point out, I know I know it's Star Wars, and this is just a shortcut that he decided to take a long time ago, but I like how everyone's on the same day and night schedule, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, they're different planets and different solar systems, but right. they're all on the same day and night, night schedule. But I assume it's like a day to them is a day to someone. There's probably some translation unit that sure. is, explains They did mention a calendar in last week's episode, so I'm like, oh, are they on the, uh, like, the, uh, whatever, the Roman calendar or the Caesar calendar or whatever? Yeah, the, like do they uh, yeah there's definitely a calendar i yeah i i just love that they figured something out good yeah. for them yeah. um but um he, he says that vel or cassian could trace things back to him but in his shop are just some wonderful easter eggs i'll get into more of them in the breakdown of why it's such a big deal that they're here but we see a jedi holocron and a sith holocron uh, and they are freaking huge. Mm. These are jumbo size versions. Normally these things are a lot smaller, mm-hmm. but I guess that just means all the animated characters are probably like eight feet tall. Right. <laughs> like that's the only <laughs> way that makes sense because these things are huge. They could be replicas of them, but mm. I don't know why you'd make a replica of a Sith holocron. It's not really a known thing to the public, but I love it. Uh, as well as, and this is, you might've seen these headlines, the Sankara stones from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And last episode, there was like some carbonite Indiana Jones Easter eggs as well. They'll get into the breakdown. So, yes, yes it's got some great Lucasfilm nods here. We'll talk about how big a deal that is as well. Mm-hmm. What? What the fact? What is the Imperial Star Path unit conspiracy that Dedra will soon uncover? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know pieces of this. We know it has to do with the rebels, but we just don't know how organized these rebels are. And if these are all like pieces of a specific puzzle for one specific mission, or if this is just like, I mean, they have to imagine that there's some kind of rebel network out there. They have Mm. to be aware. They're aware of like Sagarera, you know? Mm. Uh, But last episode, Dedramir told Partagas that she, that the stolen Imperial Starpath unit from Steergard was the latest of a, of a series of uh, high-profile incidents of theft. But Partagas shut her down because she couldn't really prove at that point they're all connected as part of some conspiracy. She needs to, like, figure out that missing link of the RICO charges, you know, that she can get everyone arrested at the same time. Mm-hmm. But this episode, we learned uh, what the five pieces of that puzzle are, or at least five puzz- uh, five pieces that we know of. Her aide mentions these five cases. Kessel, mm-hmm. Fondor, targeting consoles from Jakku, proton warheads from Base K, and the Steerguard Star Path mm-hmm. unit. Now, of these, we got to talk about Kessel. That might be the most interesting because only a few years before this in the Star Wars canonical timeline were the events of Solo, a Star yes. Wars story. This is the second Solo reference we've got on the show after Mimban last episode. During that movie, Han Solo, Chewie, Lando, Beckett, L337, and Kira go to Kessel to steal a supply of coaxium. That's a resource used for starship fuel. 
And they steal this for Dryden Voss to replace like another shipment of coaxium they're supposed to get for him, but then failed because the uh, the Crimson, uh, not the Crimson, uh, the, the, the Cloud Riders came in and wrecked it. But Dryden Voss represents the Crimson Dawn, an organization overseen by Maul at this point in history. They successfully steal this coaxium from Kessel. They complete the Kessel run. And they initially hand this off to Dryden Voss as it's being processed. It is stolen by Infus Nest and the Cloud Riders. Mm. This is a rebel faction, and Han becomes sympathetic to what they're trying to do. Now, this faction includes one of the Two Tubes brothers. The other Two Tube is part of Sagarera's partisans, and we saw Andrew Two Tubes in the trailer for Andor, so mm. we know he's going to show up on the show maybe as soon as next episode. Yeah. So the the Two Tubes brothers are the key to all of this. They are the missing link yes. between uh, this whole everything in the show. Two Who would have thought? That's right. They're brothers. Yes. Two brothers. So I think this must be the Kessel incident that they're referring to. Now, it was not part of uh, an intentional conspiracy because they were trying to steal it for the Crimson Dawn, but that coaxium did end up in rebel hands nonetheless mm. and is probably doing some pretty good for the rebel movement. Fondor. What's Fondor? Well, Fondor is a planet from which Luthen got his Fondor Holcraft. That is That ship has something weird about it. It's small, but it has a unique ability to travel through hyperspace mm. despite its small size, something that Andor called out. So I think the fact that they are able to put some hyperspace uh, hyperdrives on these ships is something that the Empire would worry about. Mm. Now, Jakku, we all know Jakku from The Force Awakens. This is going to be the future location of the Battle of Jakku, the final throw from the last vestiges of the Empire against the New Republic forces. Um, this is how that Star Destroyer ended up on Jakku for Rey to scavenge in The Force Awakens. Jakku, of course, is also the location of a Sith observatory, the Jakku Observatory that Palpatine's mm. dealing with. And uh, actually, years before this, Palpatine actually started to begin an archaeological dig there. So, there, so Palpatine does have his eye on mm. Jakku. There's something happening at Jakku. But they talk about like the targeting units from Jakku. So now it sounds like there's like an imperial presence there. Mm. And then uh, proton warheads are what go on the tip of pro proton torpedoes. They're like you know pretty powerful explosives. Obviously, Luke used proton torpedo to blow up the Death Star. And then now we have this steer guard star path unit. And uh, Luthen knew that steer guard had one of these things. So he's got like connections in all these places. Mm. Now one could say that these are all unrelated crimes that indirectly benefit the rebellion and that um just the fact that the rebellion exists is a conspiracy enough but i think to redeem dedra and set her on her path of authority on this series she's gonna uh, be able to connect all these crimes behind one particular face or one particular brand mm. um so i guess the question now is is that face gonna be luthan rael is it gonna be saw Gerrera? Uh, I think they already know Saw Gerrera exists right. because he's a pretty known entity during the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, or could the dots she connects point to the Crimson Dawn in Maul? I mean, there's a phrase when, you, when you're betting the March Madness tournament called, you know, betting chalk. And that means you're betting the favorite. And I believe that would be Luthen in this case. And yeah. I have to say, I hate to do it because, you know, I love an underdog, but I think it's Luthen. I think it'll all connect to Luthen because I don't think that he's... I don't. I think that character is meant to kind of craft, finish the molding of Andor into this guy that we meet in Rogue One that is like a rebel operative, but also not super devoted to the other rebels, right? Like he's devoted to the cause, not the people. As much as like you know, he'll gladly just shoot whoever to like get get where he needs to go or to keep people out of his way. So I think Luthen is the last piece of that puzzle for him to fully turn him into. Uh, a, a rebel operative, but not, uh, but one that lacks the like brotherhood or or personhood or, or, or kinship with the other rebels. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it is Luthen. I think it's going to be his connection with Saw Gerrera and mm. with the other rebels that yeah. uh, is most exposed. 
I think the fact that this season is taking place across like the first year of Andor's five years towards Rogue One mm-hmm. uh, tells us I I would be surprised if Luthen survives this season. Me too. Just because he's not really he's not there during Rogue One, right? Uh, so he's going to die at some point on the show. Would be my guess. Yeah. Here's my grim theory for what's going to end up happening. I think uh, Dedra Mira is going to be successful in her investigation. She's going to use the un, uh, the discovery of Luthen and and what he's been doing to advance her career. Mm-hmm. It's gonna things are going to trace back to Luthen either through Vel or Cassian or something else. Uh, because he even said with Cassian, he wasn't careful. So if he wasn't careful with Cassian, how many other times was he not really careful? Mm. I think in order to preserve what she's doing. We know it's the the Gorman massacre that causes Mon Mothman to have to leave uh, formally her position and then publicly join the Empire or publicly join the Rebellion. I think Mon Mothma is going to have to publicly turn on Luthen right ah. now. I think he's going to go to her and say, I have been exposed in order to preserve your position. You have to go in front of the Senate oh. and say, there's uh, basically have your McCarthy list and say, Uh, we have a spy amongst us and and throw me under the bus. Wow. But he has such nice trinkets at his shop. Such wonderful trinkets. I think think this season's going to end with that shop getting burned. Yeah. Because that's the only way to justify uh, these ridiculous Easter eggs. Or maybe basically say they're forgeries or something. I kind of want to look. I want to see if anything from the... uh from the shop uh, is in the trading post in the Star Wars holiday special. You know, when they're going around in the, in the oh, holiday, yeah. he's showing off all the gadgets. I'm like, I wonder if there's any overlap yeah. there. That'd be a fun way to connect I'm that. Sure. No, I think, I think that's the only way because like her driver has brought her to this antique shop. And if yeah. like he gets exposed, right? like there's no way that she doesn't also get her hands dirty unless, unless she turns against him publicly. Mm. And then it's going to break her heart. Obviously they mm-hmm. have to do that. I think yeah. that's where, I mean, if I were Tony Gilroy, that's where I would take this. Absolutely. I, I, I think I think you're right on. I think that it is going to be, I mean, Star Wars is kind of all about these like sacrifices, right? And like, and, and, and sacrifices that are kind of hidden within other sacrifices. So it's like Luthen is sacrificing himself. Mon Mothma is sacrificing Luthen. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all, it, it's all this interconnected for the good of the rebellion. So I, I, I think yeah. you're dead on. I think that that is uh, probably the most logical thing. I also think we're probably not done with some of the characters we've met. I, I theorize some of those rebels are going to mess up the, the thing on purpose. I think there's a mole in that rebel band right mm. now. I can't figure out who. I've been studying intently, but I don't yet have my, my favorite. Maybe I'll predict before next week's episode. But uh, before then, how about we give a thanks to a sponsor? Would that be all right? We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring WikiLeaks today and for sponsoring me personally. How can my, well, that, I mean, they sponsored the channel and then I use their cool code. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. I love the latter. I take power naps or some people call them full REM cycle sleeps. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. I, like I have said on this show and others, have begun using BetterHelp. I've been in it about two months now. And it's not just my appointments. My weekly appointments are great. They're very helpful. But there's stuff within the week that I do kind of stay on track and my and my therapist is available for texting we do a video appointment once a week 
then we text. She gives me homework. I don't like that. That's probably part of the problem. She, she clocks that. She goes, he's being very stubborn about his homework. She gives me more homework. We fight. There's no grades. Uh, and at the end of the day, we both end up crying. That's not true. She does a great job. I cry no matter what. I cry during Apple commercials during Christmas. When Frankenstein sings, there's no place like home for the holidays. Anyway, I'm off track here. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Wookie. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash Wookie. And make sure you use that code because when you use that code, it helps us keep the lights on at old Wookie Leaks. And you don't want to see this face with low lighting. I got to be in HD. <laughs> well, Tommy, there's no place like you for a Wednesday. That's right. <laughs> I want you to, or any day of the week. Thank you. All right, let's uh, dig into this question of the Indiana Jones Easter eggs because, yeah. like, I I just want to clear up like what canonicity means yeah. when these Easter eggs show up on Star Wars. Yeah. This week we got the Sankara stones. Last week's episode, you know, I didn't point this out, but there is a uh, Indy's whip frozen in carbonite. A few other things that I'm going to point out in the breakdown. Yeah. These Easter eggs are included because Star Wars films share a Lucasfilm connection with Indiana Jones. George, George Lucas was also a, a director on Indiana Jones. And these, along with Willow, they're all part of the Lucasfilm family. Yes. And these kind of cross-referential Easter eggs far predate any of the Easter eggs that you're seeing in the MCU or other franchises like that. And as such, they have a different canonical classification. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, on a golden surface covered in hieroglyphics near where Indy finds the Ark of the Covenant, C-3PO and R2-D2 are carved in there too. Does that literally mean C-3PO and R2-D2 were there in ancient times? No, it does not. It could, but it, it it's not. It's more of a joke yeah, is what right. George Lucas is doing there. Andy's getaway plan in the opening sequence of Raiders is the call sign is OBCPO. Uh, in Temple of Doom, the Shanghai Club is called Club Obi-Wan. In The Last Crusade, on the boat that Indy retrieves across the Coronado from, it has a barrel with the Portuguese word for carbonite. In Solo, a Star Wars story, which we were talking about, among the treasures in Dryden Voss's collection is the Golden Idol mm. from Raiders. Star Wars titles often use sound effects from the same Lucasfilm audio library as the indie films do, like the sounds of jet engines firing up. And this shit gets even weirder. George Lucas put the E.T. species right. in the Senate in Phantom Menace. That's literally a character walking around in the background. So... Lucasfilm titles just have a, have a long tradition of referencing each other and, and the works of their friends to pay homage, but not to imply these things are canonically connected. Easter eggs to establish interconnectivity wasn't really a thing until franchises like the MCU, and I would say the Dave Filoni side of the Star mm. Wars universe. Yeah. So it, it sets up an interesting distinction. When Dave Filoni and John Favreau are working on a Star Wars property, so whether that's the Book of Boba Fett or The Mandalorian or Ahsoka, I think we could take the Easter eggs seriously mm. because I think they really are trying to do that world building with the Easter eggs. Yeah. But things like uh, like other Star Wars titles, things that are overseen by George Lucas, or in this case, uh, Andor, mm. I don't I don't think these Star Wars Easter eggs are definitely saying like these are the same Lothal tablets mm. that Ezra had. Right. Well, that kind of makes sense though if you think about it, because Favreau got his start in the end. Well, not his start, but his blockbuster, big franchise building start in the MCU. So he's kind of just carrying that over to his side of the street there. I, you're totally right, and I think it's also the case with animators. I think yeah. animators are have, and that's Filoni's background. They have more fun trying to say, "Oh, these things are connected. This is the same." Thing. Like the Pixar Easter eggs do that as well. Mm -hmm. Rick and Morty Easter eggs do that. As well. Like Rick and Morty implied that uh, Gravity Falls takes place in the same universe. Mm -hmm. uh, they, I think animators like to imply that all these people kind of live together. Yeah. Uh, whereas like in this case, I think they're putting in props just as like an, a nod to 
fans. And that's that's really all we're meant to take it. Absolutely. But when you see things like Indiana Jones, Easter eggs, does it take you out of it is my question. No, I, I don't have that uh, level of detail. In, I'm, I'm very much watching what's happening on the surface. I'm looking around, but, I, I you know, as I've worked at New Rockstars for a few years now, I've become better at noticing Easter eggs. But on the first view, I'm just soaking it in. I You know, I... I do think the excitement I get when I notice an Easter egg uh, can take me away for just a second, but it doesn't ruin the viewing experience to me. I especially the non, the, the you know the kind of canonical nods rather than like interconnecting things canonically. I think those are fun. I love that C three PO and R two D two are on the walls in, in, in on Earth in India in an Indiana Jones movie. Doesn't bother me. I think it's great. Nod to each other. You know, there's so many people that work on these movies. It just must be delightful for them. I, I think as a, as a fan that just kind of loves this stuff without going too deep into it, I, it doesn't bump me. I like it. How about you? Yeah, I, I honestly think this is what Easter eggs are supposed to be. They're yeah. supposed to be hard to find. Yeah. They're supposed to give you a greater appreciation. You have to, like, understand what context yeah. is, like, with the person who placed it there right. and what it means for, like, the people who are working on it. Uh, and it and it has to uh, be specific. It has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. And so many times, like just because like uh, a lo a cat walks into frame, like oh, it's an Easter egg. It's not an Easter egg. If right. it's like right there in front of you. If they do a close up shot of a wall and there's a Spider Man on the wall, and they focus yeah. in on the wall, that's <laughs> more like a like a chicken's egg than an Easter egg. Like it's just there. Like it's, <laughs> a it's goose a, egg. It's an egg. It's an egg. It's a quail yeah. egg. It's poached. It's not Easter though. It's not Easter. You don't, you're not hunting for it. No. Um, I think uh, the only thing is, I wish that these. Uh, I don't mind an Indiana Jones Easter egg in there. I just wish that it wasn't in the same shop as like the Loath tablets, just because they they have such specific uh, meaning to the to Ezra Bridger and to the lore from uh, from Star Wars Rebels. I, I can so, see. So like that. that's the only. All the other items, I'm like totally fine. Totally fine to have Plo Koon's mask in right. there. Totally fine to have a, a Gungan shield. Uh, the Star Killer armor, because even mm -hmm. the Star Killer armor, it's like modified. There's like other parts to it. Uh, I just wish that those tablets weren't there because yeah. those are those are like specific. Those are important. Yeah. Um, but whatever. <laughs> I don't really care at the end of the day. <laughs> it's fun. I think that uh, with any Easter egg, you have to take into the context of people who are making mm. the property. And that's what I mean. Context, context, context. Yeah. It's so important to like when a detail shows up in something, you have to think about the person who put it there and yeah. who in the crew put it in there. Um, and in this case, like, what is Tony Gilroy trying to do right. with with Andor? Is it trying to build out an interconnected universe the way that Filoni and Favreau are doing with The Mandalorian? Mm. No, no. He's trying to tell yeah. a very specific story in a very specific, different kind and of way. And is this just his way of being like, hey, I'm not giving you your normal Star Wars pudding. So here I was like, here's here's a glass of Star Wars nostalgia and some Lucasfilms nostalgia just to kind of wash my new pudding down, you know, as a... Like, yeah, this. it wouldn't even surprise me if Tony Gilroy has no idea what these things are. <laughs> like, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if there's just like the, the guy, like Pablo and the other guys yeah. on the team are just like, here, sneak, sneak in the right. tablets over here. <laughs> Put Plukun's mask here. And he's yes. just, they're, they're like, we're putting this stuff in there. And he's like, fine. fine right. Cool. I don't know. I'm fine. Whatever. Okay. But getting back to like the the, the plot and the meat of yeah. this episode, Vel and Cinta yeah. have the secret part of the mission. What do you think it is? I don't know, because it's crazy to separate Cinta from the team when she's the one that can medically take care of them, right? Like they're, She's the healer. She's yeah. the healer. She's the kind of doctor. So 
whatever it is, it seems very specific that it needs to be female, right? So to me, maybe that's something yeah. with the tribe. The tri maybe there's an element of infiltrating the tribe that's going to be mm. celebrating the eye. Maybe there are no females working in that garrison. I don't know. I haven't seen a female empire officer, empirical officer there yet. I don't know. I think my, to me, it's got to be they're, they're either they're going to be posing as people that are a part of that local tribe and then maybe wandering into the garrison and getting in, you know, causing a diversion. That would be my best guess. Yeah, I like this idea that it's coming in through the, the tribe specifically. Yeah, they're going to pose as because uh, they don't have another imperial outfit uh, for them. So they may be because we know that like. They're expecting some locals to show up. Like they're saying, oh, last time there was like a hundred of them. The time, yeah. Can you imagine a thousand of them? Right. Uh, so I think that they might be blending in with the locals. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. Maybe there's like some priestess society who, right. who conducts some kind of ritual and that's how they're going to be part of it. The witches of Dothamir. Maybe they're going to be witches. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, and the fact that it's like Vel and Sinta who are quizzing him on, like, mm. I think Sinta also knows the Aldani language. So mm. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Mm. My mind did unfortunately jump to like, oh, maybe they have to seduce some of the... Uh, like they have to specifically oh, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if that would happen on the show. Like this is like yeah. it's not like Marion and Raiders. Uh but right. no, I like that idea that yeah. that's their part of the mission. Uh and uh, but I also just like this idea how on this mission not everyone knows every part of the plan. Right. Uh, which right. is great. Like Luthen's the only one I think who knows all of it. Yeah. Um, which is smart. Okay, Uncle Carlo. Oh yes. What do you think oh. he has in store for Cyril Karn? I I don't have a great answer for that, but I hope he's played by Oliver Platt, and I hope he's playing the same character as the uncle in The Bear. And even though Cousin Richie is off uh, doing a heist right now, I hope they run into each uh -huh. other at some point. He's like, God, Richard, not you again. And then Richie's like, <laughs> F off, uh, sorry, F off. This Uncle Harlow, to me, seems like... Uh, first of all, it seems like he's not actually his uncle, right? Like, it's like Cyril's kind of like, he won't even remember us, like, you know, like, which to me implies, like, almost a mafioso presence. But, mm -hmm. and especially if he's, like, placing him somewhere, like, they're like, like, when Cyril's like, what does he have in mind for me or whatever? And she's like, he wants to observe you first. That's so weird. I, I, I imagine he's some sort of, like, intergalactic gang like mafia chieftain or something like that. So I, I would say he's going to have, he's pr my bet is that between the mother and uncle Harlow, they're going to try and turn Cyril into like a, like distinguished criminal. And then he's going to break off of them and join the empire. That's my prediction. See, I had a hot take while I was watching this. What if, because Cyril's just so aimless right now, and he right. seems to have really poisoned his reputation with the empire. Right. What if Uncle Harlow is part of the Rebel Network? Oh, God. And he's like, hey, you want to fight this from the other side? Ooh. Why don't you join this organization? Cyril becomes a becomes a good guy in this? Well, well, oh. what if he just joins the rebellion in some other operation? They're like, we just need every hand we can get. Uh, and, yeah. he, and then, so, okay, so he joins, imagine this. He joins like a rebel faction. He ends up on the same mission as Cassie and Andrew. Oh, God. And in that moment, he's like, you mm -hmm. ruined my life mm. and it could be that cyril blows the entire mission mm. like he we could see like a semi-redemption tale for the character where he's like joining the rebellion but he harbors in his heart this mm. hatred for cassian andor and yeah. he can't let it go so that could be the the ghost in the machine yeah is that you have this like personal grudge that this character harbors and can't mm. let go of 
But for right now, I don't see, like, I don't think his track record's that messed up. They, yeah. They could try to exploit him to join the rebellion. I think sure. it would be useful to them. In Absolutely. Because I just don't imagine how he rejoins the Empire. That's like, true. I don't, or rejoins the baddies. Like, I feel like the only <sighs> path for him now is the rebellion. Although I will say the actor has a big beard now. So maybe he grows a beard and, like, maybe he just has a little beard when they're filming. And he, like, he becomes, like, like you know, on movies when someone grows a beard, they become unrecognizable. They're like, oh, this is Kirill Sarn. He's a new recruit. He's got a beard. It's Cyril Karn. No, you're Carol. Shut up. Well, we will leave it there for this episode of Wookie Leaks. Again, the Easter egg breakdown is coming out tomorrow. Tommy and I will be back next Wednesday with our reaction to episode six of Andor. Follow me at EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow new rock star. Subscribe to Wookie Leaks wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching, and we are spoken. Spoken.